0: You know, maybe this game was Pete Carmichael channeling like 25 years of nerd rage at Belichick running up the score <laughs> on on teams. What was the Titans game like 15 years ago, where he was up like 40 to three and he just kept just kept hammering? Yeah, it
1: was like the, in the snow, right? It, it, yeah, was, it was it was a snow
0: game. It was like 50 yeah. something to three, yeah. it, he just he, he just kept uh, running up the score higher and higher. <laughs> and you, you know, maybe it's um maybe Pete Carmichael just channeled all of the uh, the Jeff Fishers and. The uh, the Jay Gruden's of the world who who have been d- just destroyed by Belichick teams and fi- finally got a win. He, you know he, he fi- finally got a win against against uh, the the guy who's who's been embarrassing him and all and everyone like him for so long.
1: Welcome into the show, Ryan O'Leary here, joined as always by my good friend John Sigler. It's the Saints Wire podcast. We are brought to you by the USA Today Network. and available. However you get and consume your favorite pod. So thanks for joining us. We hope you subscribe and stick around with us all season long. How are you doing this week, John?
0: Oh, I'm doing fantastic. You know, hey, I got to watch a very entertaining game on Sunday. I'm sure you feel the same as as a Pats fan and uh, look, very eager to re- recap it. That was entertaining.
1: That entertained you, huh? No, it didn't entertain the Patriots fans. But I tried to explain, I tried to warn you, John, that the Patriots were horrible and that the whole Foxborough thing, the whole playing Belichick in Foxborough was a myth.
0: I, I believe so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I should have listened. I, I uh, definitely should should have uh, paid heed to, to, to you uh, k- kind of warning us about about the uh, the past vulnerabilities last week.
1: Yeah, so uh, maybe I'll rip the Patriots a little bit because I have plenty of thoughts on them uh, and how that pertains to the Saints and how much we can even learn from that game uh, from the Saints. But I think one thing we can do, John, is give Pete Carmichael some flowers, right? I think, you know, he was under fire. Uh, I think if the Saints fell flat against the Patriots and the offense continued not to score, continued not to move the football. If Derek Carr continued to look like crap out there that, you know, the fans would really have the pitchforks out right for Pete Carmichael as if they haven't already, but they ramped up the pre-snap motion. They did all these different things, more play action, right? All the stuff that people have been criticizing Pete Carmichael for not doing. It seemed like he flipped it and did all of that. And it worked wonders for the Saints, and they actually started moving the football against what is supposed to be a good defense in the Patriots. So I think is that one thing you're doing this week is giving Pete Carmichael some deserved flowers.
0: Yeah, you know, look, you got to give credit where when it's due, and Pete Carmichael, did, you know, he well, like like I wrote on Saints Wire, he he, he gave the people what they wanted, and we we, we saw all these things that we we've, we've been asking for over the first month of the season with, you know, the, the this creative play calling in, inside the red zone with the, uh, the, the the shovel pass to Foster Morrow, uh, and no one saw that coming. And that, that was a great, great decision in that moment, moment, very gutsy call. Uh, so props to Pete for that. And as well, you know, you know, the the, the increased use of pre-snap motion throughout the game, you know, you know, I don't think this offense is ever going to approach, you know, what what the Shanahan and McVeigh and uh, McDaniel uh, offenses do. But uh, as far as pre-snap motion and using that to kind of disguise their intentions before the snap, um, but we went from ranking dead last to, you know, doubling that rate in this game. And, and there were some growing pains with that, but on the whole, it, it led to great success. You know, we had much better, much improved execution on play action passes here. Uh, and it was everything that we've kind of been asking for as far as, you know, putting your your players in a position to win and using in using their strengths. And, you know, props to Pete Carmichael for finally in uh, week five getting, getting around to it.
1: Better late than never, right? Exactly. Uh, but you know, you know, we know Bill Belichick. He's in his seventies now, uh, so we can debate how good of a coach he is at this point in his career, right? I could tell you the "quote unquote" do what they do teams, John. The the teams that do the same thing week in and week out. Those are the teams that Bill Belichick feasts on with his game planning, right? When you go and you throw your tendencies out the window and do the opposite, which is you know, a lot of what you're saying is what the Saints did, right? They threw a lot of their tendencies from the first five weeks out the window and did something different and it worked. Is it as simple as that? Like we could make fun of uh we could we could kind of poke around and joke. I think you have and say, boy Belichick, we really threw him off by changing all those tendencies. But maybe you did. Maybe Belichick and the Patriots, I mean again, down Matt Judon, their best pass rusher, down their best, probably their best overall defensive player for the first four weeks, Christian Gonzalez, the rookie corner. He was playing that well. He was awesome. Both of those guys being out, the Patriots are scrambling a little a little bit with personnel. Maybe it's as simple as that, that they really did get Belichick and caught him in his own game.
0: I think that's more coincidence because these were things that needed to happen regardless of the opponent this week. You know, whether it was the Pats, the Texans, the Jaguars, whoever it may have been, they needed to make some changes offensively, and they did, and it paid off in a big way um i was being kind of (laughs) tongue-in-cheek joking about like hey maybe maybe the saints just played horrible on offense the first four weeks to throw off belichick and reverse those tendencies but you know maybe there is a little bit to that and and that was part of the game plan who's to say i'm just glad it worked out the way it did and and i hope it continues over the weeks ahead of us
1: now there was a good tweet by we mentioned nick underhill from new orleans.football He had a great tweet about, you know, I'm I'm never going to complain about the Saints offense again. I'm just going to think about the Patriots. He said something like that, right? I don't have it in front of me, but he said something to (laughs) that degree. And that's my next question for you, John. How much should we be praising the Saints for like this much needed three phase, you know, complete game win, offense, defense, complimentary football, all that. How much should we be praising this? It's because it's not easy, even against bad teams. It's not easy to win 34 to nothing on the road. You got to be praising that, right? You got to be loving that. But how much should we also just throw our hands up and say, holy crap are the Patriots bad <laughs> you know what I mean like wh- what's the balancing act there how much should we be praising the Saints and how much should we just be amazed at how poorly the Patriots played in that game
0: yeah I, I think there's value in both of those approaches but you know you can't make your own schedule in the NFL you know you, you have to win the games in front of you and you have to you know just stack up wins and that, that's what the Saints have, are, are, have finally started to do here um, they, they've taken out some of you know Look, obviously the, the Panthers are one of the worst teams in the league. Patriots might be there with them. I mean, I mean the re- the record says who they are at this, at this point. But a win is a win, and that, that's what's important. And that's kind of what I'm focusing on here. Is okay. Look, even if it took them longer than it should have, the offense is finally you know executing at, at a level um, where the, where where that that that's closer to the expectations that they keep for themselves. And they're finally doing some of the things we, that we've been hoping for. So that, that's that's my main takeaway from it. Um, th- this was a big step forward. And you just, just got to hope that it's, it's the first in a, a series of steps that can take this team where they want to go.
1: Yeah, I think you definitely got to give the Saints credit. On the other hand, the Pats, they can't block, especially the entire right side of the line. Do you remember that sack that Cam Jordan had? Had where the uh, the right tackle came out out of his stance, and just whiffed on Cam Jordan, just missed him, John. He just completely whiffed. Cam Jordan yeah. just went into the backfield field and sacked Mac Jones. It was like, holy crap! Nice effort there on the on the uh, on blocking Cam Jordan. You would think you'd want to have that guy blocked up, uh, but like they just have. And we talked about this last week. The Patriots have zero at the skill positions. I think you could drop Rashid Shaheed in the Patriots' offense, and he'd be their best skill player by far. And Mac Jones is like broken, right? I mean. Third different coordinator in three years. That's something that's unheard of from Bill Belichick and the Patriots. He's like a shell of himself out there. No confidence. Uh, He's just playing scared out there. I mean, never mind the fact that the Patriots apparently can no longer punt or kick field goals, John. So that's another one like Bill Belichick drafted his kicker and his punter in the fourth round. Meanwhile, the Saints go and get an undrafted guy and groupie and groupies kicking field goals better than the Patriots guy who they drafted in the fourth round. So that's kind of where the Patriots are at right now. But like man, that was cringy watching the Patriots try to move the football against that Saints defense, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, it's so bizarre. Like th- this does not look like a, you know, Bill Belichick coached team. I mean, it, it looks like a team that's made up of like, I don't know, his, his large adult sons and his, his uh, hangers on. And, and a couple of uh, former Alabama assistants you his, know, analysts his Bobo's, or whatever.
1: his Bobo's. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's 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 odd. It's not what we would have come to expect from him over the last gosh thirty years, <laughs> um, twenty twenty year twenty five thirty years that he's he's been doing that he's been uh, coaching uh, pro teams and um, man it, it, it was very strange to watch. You, you know you compare this to past you know Saints Patriots games, even the twenty twenty one game. You know that that was awful close down, until you know Taysom Hill just took over the, the last drive and, and just uh, bludgeoned that defense into submission. Um, but this is not what we're used to seeing. You, you know, you mentioned the, uh, special teams ex- execution. I don't think either of these teams punted very well on, on, on the day, but that was definitely an edge, you know, punt coverage was definitely an edge that the saints enjo- enjoyed, um, kick kicking was a problem. And th- that's so odd because Belichick is, he's the special teams guru. Like this is what he does. This is what he always has done. Um, he he's le- leading the charge for Matthew Slater to be a hall of famer someday, um, and so for that just to completely collapse it's it's uncharacteristic and you have to wonder if you know maybe we're getting close to the end of the line for him here I mean, you know maybe, maybe he needs needs to take one of his boats out and and just uh enjoy life on the water for a few for a few years <laughs> yeah. Who know
1: go enjoy um, nantucket yeah exactly
0: yeah yeah it's uh is it four rings or five rings i forget i forget what his what his uh, tuna boat is but he's got one of them um but man, it, it, it's it's a mess. Offensively, they, they they do have an OC this year, right? Because I know that was a, that was a point of contention of either last year or the year before last. How there there was no offensive coordinator, um, or Patric- Matt Patricia was doing it, or that that was a whole debacle. But it, it's it's a mess. You know, Mac Jones is a quarterback who, uh, you and I have talked about this before. He he needs everything to be perfect around him. And it's tough for him to overcome a flaw here or there. But when you have an offense, that's, you know, the the personnel is as, you know, the cupboard is as bare as it has ever been. Uh, There's just no hope for success there. And and, and it's really hard to watch.
1: Now you, you definitely nailed it there. Uh, Yeah. And the Patriots one for 14 on third down. Now that's what good defenses have been doing to the Patriots, especially this year, the Cowboys did it to them as well. So that's, you do give the Saints credit for that. One for 14. I mean, that's Woo. amazing. Yeah. And, and then you know, the Patriots only, they can't, not only can they not punch on, he was shanking every single kick, this kid. Oh, what was <laughs> going on? Just shaking it off the side of his foot. It's like, holy crap. But yeah, uh, give credit to the Saints. Their defense was really, really good in this game. Embarrassed the Patriots, but holy crap. Wow. What what a horrible effort from from new england it could be worse saints fans if you're ever mad at pete carmichael or mad at the state of your team mad at dennis allen just remember it could be worse you could you could be like a patriot fan oh could you imagine john i know people really sympathize with us pats fans but boy oh, it, right. it is yeah. a tough tough existence here a you know, I've, I've been workshopping
0: this like <laughs> you know maybe this game was pete carmichael channeling like 25 years of nerd rage at belichick <laughs> running up the score on on teams what was the Titans game like 15 years ago where he was up like 40 to three and he just kept, just kept hammering. Yeah. It
1: was like the, in the snow, right? It, it, yeah, was, it, was it was a snow game. It was 50 like yeah. something. Yeah. He
0: just, he, he just kept uh, running up the score higher and higher. <laughs> and you, you know, maybe it's um maybe Pete Carmichael just channeled all of the, uh, the Jeff Fishers and the, uh, the Jay Grudens and of the world who, who have been d- just destroyed by Belichick teams and, finally got a win he, you know he, he finally got a win against against uh the, the guy who's who's been embarrassing him and all and everyone like him for so long maybe maybe that's what happened
1: here yeah well for saints fans watching in amazement at that game being like wow what is this yeah it's that bad for belichick and the patriots now so it could be a lot worse Uh, That's that's our big takeaway from this one. But uh, give me something on Alvin Kamara breaking Marcus Colson's record as the Saints all time touchdown leader. John, what do you think of that?
0: It's about time, man. I've had a draft for that ready for like three years now.
1: (laughs) Damn Um, suspensions.
0: Yeah, yeah, There's been suspensions and injuries and, you know, Jameis Winston refusing to throw the football to him. And there's been all of these things that have been getting in the way of this. I mean, I I kid you not. It's been like three years. We've been waiting for this to happen. And I'm glad I'm glad that we, we that AK has finally crossed off that milestone. It was really cool to see Marcus Colston re- responding to that. You know, he shared shared a uh, congratulatory video for AK on social media through through the Saints' channels. Um, that that was really cool to see because Col- you know Marcus Marcus Colston was really the guy that a lot of Saints fans rallied around at a time when this team had Drew Brees leading them, and he had Jonathan Vilma on defense, and we had you know Reggie Bush. Um, was, you know, he had all the hype coming out of college, but, you, you know, I still see, you know, 12 jerseys out, out in the wild at, at you know, at, a, at Biloxi Shuckers games or, or at Rouse's on Sunday or wh- whatever it may be. Um, You, you still see Mar- Marcus Colson jerseys out and out and about. And I'm glad that he has his, his place in Saints history. It, it was really great to see him, you know, accepting this with such grace and taking that time to congratulate Kamara on, on what he's accomplished. And, you know, we're kind of just on to the next chapter here. You know, what's uh, I'll, I'll tell I'll tell people this, the, the next milestone for AK, the next achievement, the next record he needs to break is the, uh, the two point conversions record in team in team history. Uh, who, who, who would you guess that AK is, is tied with for, for the most two point conversions in the Saints record books?
1: Most two point conversions. You're always throwing these trivia questions at me and I'm so, so bad at them.
0: All right. Yeah, Most, well, I love it. I
1: win every time. It's great. Oh, you always do. <laughs> Most in team history, man. So this is got to be going
0: back far. Uh, well, you know, I'll, I'll just tell you, man. Yeah, it's it's uh, you. Mark Ingram.
1: Oh, here. wow. I wouldn't have got would not have got yeah. that, but Mark Ingram's yeah. a great saint. Yeah, go ahead.
0: Yeah, great, great saint, uh, great, great uh, tag team running back with, with Alvin Kamara, uh, and they each have have converted four two point uh, tries in a Saints uniform. So that's kind of the next chapter I'm lo- I'm looking for, and you know, hopefully it doesn't take another three or four years for 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 him to take that record as well
1: why did i want to say ricky williams i was like how long was he on the saints i want to say ricky <laughs> williams for some
0: reason hey man look people handle ricky williams a lot of it is off-field stuff but he he, he was a productive running back for the saints at, at a time when they needed him to be he, he, he didn't meet expectations nobody was going to meet expectations with uh with what uh, mike dick gave up to get him but one of my saints hot takes i guess uh would be that ricky williams was a better running back than a lot of fans give him credit for and but that that, that would have been that would have been a good guess but yeah right john
1: you're just being nice you're just being nice that would have been a horrible (laughs) guess i just looked it up i'm like how long he was only with the saints for three years before they traded his ass right so um and then he rushed for 1800 yards and 16 touchdowns for the dolphins yikes um anyway that's our Ricky Williams minutes for this week. And uh, let's get to Saints-Texans. Can the Saints stack some wins? We'll get to that here coming up. But first, week six fantasy advice.
2: Corey Bonini with Huddle.com here to bring you strong plays for week number six. Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback Baker Mayfield versus the Detroit Lions. Detroit has allowed at least 22 fantasy points in four of the five games this year and now has significant injury losses mounting in the secondary. Mayfield has provided starting returns in half of his contests, and he's coming off of a bye week. This could be a fairly high-scoring event, so Mayfield is in play for those who look to stream the position. Running back Isaiah Pacheco, Kansas City Chiefs vs. Denver Broncos. With a TD in three straight contests, Pacheco now has a crack at a Denver unit that has permitted running backs to score at the second-highest rate. No team has surrendered more rushing yards per contest, and this is the best overall matchup for both primary fantasy scoring systems. Don't be surprised if Pacheco produces a personal best fantasy showing in week 6. Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver Tyler Boyd vs. Seattle Seahawks Boyd's ceiling really hinges on whether T. Higgins returns, but he could still be useful if not. The matchup is the best in fantasy, and there's even a chance the Seahawks can post enough offense to force Cincinnati into a shootout situation. Boyd makes for a quality injury or bi-week replacement versus a defense that has been the easiest to exploit for catches, the second weakest at limiting yardage, and has given up 5 scores in 4 outings tight end Logan Thomas, Washington Commanders at Atlanta Falcons. Chicago gave up a line of 9.77 and 1 on 11 targets to Thomas in Week 5, and he should keep it rolling versus an Atlanta defense that has yielded 7 receptions, which is the second most, nearly 63 yards, sixth highest, and a touchdown every 11.7 grabs, the 10th highest rate. He's also an interesting waiver addition for those looking to play the matchups, but he's just an all-around solid play. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out TheHuddle.com.
1: All right, we're back. The uh, Saints are heading to Houston, John. What's your leadoff thought about uh, the Saints going up against CJ Stroud, who has actually been a pretty damn good little player for the Texans so far? I think the Texans are a lot better than people thought they were going to be this year. A lot of it is because of their rookie quarterback. Maybe the Panthers made a mistake, which I'm sure Saints fans are feeling horrible about.
0: Man, Stroud is QB1. Uh, The Panthers made a huge mistake in passing on him, um, but you know, that that's kind of what all that David Tepper has done is make make mistakes and stick his nose where it doesn't belong and uh, man he <laughs> has set his team back since he took over so uh, I'm, I'm glad we don't we only have to play Stroud once every you know 3 or 4 years and, <laughs> and uh, ho- hopefully the Saints are going to be w- well prepared for him you know he he hasn't thrown an interception in like 180 something um pass attempts this season he's play, playing at a really high level without a lot around him you know that that team was not expecting to be very competitive this year, but he is, you know, on top of his game play, playing really well. And, uh, this, this is not an opponent that the Saints can overlook. You know, I've got a ton of respect for D'Amico Ryans as a, uh, as one of the defensive, you know, masterminds in this league. Uh, he, he, he did phenomenal, uh, job with the 49ers for so many years. And now now he's come back to Houston and, and, uh, he, he's got that defense firing on all cylinders. So it, it took the Falcons, um, they had to kick a, a last-second field goal uh, in, to knock them off and, and survive a one-point game <laughs> here Here this past Sunday. And I, I can totally see this being a challenging matchup for the Saints.
1: Yeah, I, I think that stat that you brought up there, no interceptions as a rookie quarterback, John, through five games, that's unheard of, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he's he is taking care of the football, so he's think, no
0: Ian book that's for sure
1: yeah he's no Mac Jones so uh, <laughs> yeah. you know I think this is an interesting matchup for the Saints defense and that the Saints defense has been kind of that constant for the Saints every single week but if you are going into this thing thinking you might like trick this rookie into some big-time mistakes so far Stroud has shown that he's not that guy right uh, and he's kind of mobile too um, so yeah. that's interesting but yeah to your point I mean the Texans had a lead on the Falcons. Uh, I think it was like, what, 19 to 18 or something. They had a lead. The Falcons had to go down and and make that field goal to win it. It was an easy field goal for them, but uh, they got it done. But the Saints, dude, they come into this game. Is it two and a half, John? Is that the last spread you've seen? That's what I have on my chart here. Um, at least yeah, opened. I believe it.
0: Yeah, I believe it. it. It either opened at one and a half or two and a half. I, I don't recall.
1: But. Okay so it's
0: under under a field goal that's for sure
1: yeah so let's say let me let me just take a quick peek here at it um yeah it looks like the saints are one and a half point favorites on the road what do you think about
0: that yeah that sounds about right i mean i mean the saints have played so many close games this season to open up um they've only they have they only have one you know dominant loss that was to the bucks and one dominant win obviously over over the patriots so they're, they're they've played a lot of close games this year you know if a couple of kicks go differently, they they might be they, they could be a one in four team. I mean, I mean, we're we yeah, two and four, whatever it may be. Look, the, the the point is, this offense has not shown that it can consistently put points on the board um, in going up against a well coached defense with a lot of talent, um, very underrated defense. I've got to remind people about this. Um, I could see this being a problematic game for the Saints, but I do feel better about their chances than going into New England uh, you know, you know, compared to last week. Um, so, and we saw how wrong I was about that. So uh, <laughs> this should be another entertaining game. Uh, I'm expecting much more from, from the Texans offense than we got out of the Patriots offense. That That's for sure.
1: Is there anything that scares you in that matchup with the Texans offense, John, outside of the quarterback? I mean, Nico Collins is having a great season. Um, they, they have that, that young running back here. What's his name? Damian Pierce. Uh does it does anything else the way they play on offense cuz I, I agree with you. I think you got to the D'Amico Ryan's factor is real. You know, the head coach of the Texans coming over from the 49ers, he can coach a defense up and he's already got the Texans defense playing better than anybody thought they would. What about the Texans offense? Is anything, you know, do you think the Saints can get tested in that regard?
0: Uh, it'll be interesting, man. Um Tank Dell uh, is someone that I'm going to be watching really closely. Uh, he, he's kind of, he's kind of slowed down a little bit after all the preseason hype, but he's still a very good, very good young player. And that's going to be an awesome matchup with him, like lining up against these saints TVs. Um, I expect him to run against Alante Taylor a lot. And that, that should be really interesting to see because tank, tank Dell is kind of what people think he, he's kind of the, the kind of player that people think Rashid Shahid is as far as like an undersized wideout, out. But, but which, which, but, I mean, ironically, it's not the case. You know, Shaheed, he's six foot, 180, 190 pounds, I think. So, so he's much more closer to the average size for a receiver than you would think. But Dell, I mean, he, he's he's on the smaller people. Well, he's definitely on the smaller end at five ten, hundred and sixty five. 165, but he, he he has speed that I don't know that anyone can match including including Shahid, um, who is one of the fastest receivers in, in the league. So, that's going to be a big challenge for Alante Taylor, who, who has improved week in, week out covering the slot. Um, I'm I'm just kind kind of, kind of anxious to see if, if he can uh you know run in stride with somebody like Bill.
1: Yeah, they they go from playing one of the slowest teams in NFL history, the Patriots, on offense, to a team that <laughs> has a lot more speed and can hurt you in a little bit more ways. So that'll be interesting to see that adjustment. Hopefully, the Saints are they can ramp themselves back up, John, after that debacle last week. Oh my god! Uh, I got yeah, a tribute. Hey, go hey
0: real real quick, another yeah. little subplot to watch oh. here. Um, the Texans OC is Bobby Slowick. He, he's from that same, you know, just like D'Amico Ryans. He, he was on staff with Kyle Shanahan on, on the 49ers. Uh, he, he was their passing game coordinator. He's somebody that a lot of Saints fans were hoping would replace Pete Carmichael this summer. And he, he elected to stay with a coach that he knew well and D'Amico Ryans and kind of advance his career here in Houston, get, getting to work with CJ Stroud. And I'm really curious to see what, what he has in his bag, uh, what, what, what his toolbox looks like. Uh, when, whenever he and Carmichael are, are are kind of competing here here on Sunday,
1: yeah, it's a good one. It's going to be an interesting matchup. It's tough to it's tough to know what's going to happen in this ball game. Could go either way. I think I have a trivia question for you, John. Uh, here you go. In terms of just Let's like betting trends, okay. So how many times this year do you think you know in terms of the over under in every Saints game this season? So we have five game sample. How many times has those games gone over the point total for the Saints this year? Oh
0: gosh. Uh- I'll say once, maybe I, I know the under hit this past Sunday yeah. uh, against the Patriots. I, I don't think anybody expected it to be be during a blowout.
1: Yeah, we can blame the Saints offense and the Patriots offense for it being <laughs> zero, zero. They have never gone over yet, wow. uh, which has been interesting. Right. And uh, they've been favored by one and a half points or more three times this season. And they have not covered in any of those spots. So. Maybe the trends are saying go Texans here. I'm not sure I'm going to do that. Again, it's Saints. They're, they got a top defense. They're going against a rookie quarterback. Like, I want to take the Saints here. Uh, but they've only covered a spread once this year. They wanted an underdog, obviously, last week. They shouldn't have been, but they were an underdog. Uh, but I don't know. In these spots, they have not been great at covering spreads, John. Uh, they're going to be on the road. And the over-under is 41 and a half. So we know they're not going to go over that total, right? So it's going to be a low-scoring slog again.
0: You know what? Here's a hot take. Here's a hot take. Oh, give it to me. I I think the the Saints, I'll I'll take the over. And I I think the Saints are going to, you know, finally hit the over for for the first time to see. I think they're going to end that trend and they're going to put up more points than we we might be anticipating. And I think they're going to have a I think they're going to have a good game. I think they finally, you know, uncorked some things here against the Patriots that are going to serve them well throughout the season. And I think this is a great opportunity for them to show that hey, this, this translates against a, you know a very very, a very effective defense. I
1: love it. I think it's a great take. Let's uh, stack some wins. Let's stack some good offensive performances and and get going here. Uh, so so there it is, John. What what should folks folks be looking for on Saints Wire leading into kickoff, my man?
0: So our main focus obviously is going to be covering this Texans game, but there there's going but there look this is a very busy five week stretch on the NFL's calendar. You're, you're, you're here for the saints, especially, you know, over the next five weeks, the saints have, let's see how many road games, how many road games? Well, okay. So we're in the first, we're, we're in the second week of a four game stretch against AFC teams. We're, uh, we, over the next five weeks, the saints are going to play uh, three AFC teams in a row. They're, they're, they're going to be on the road three times in the next five weeks. Uh, and they're going, and we've got the trade deadline com- coming up here very quickly on, on Halloween at the end of the month. So uh, that's going to be very spooky. We've got to see if the Saints are going to be in a position to add any talent at that deadline. And uh, we're just trying to keep up with all of it. You know, there's, there's lots of roster moves every day with this team. There's a lot of moving pieces, a lot of moving parts. And they always seem to be involved in, in these trade talks as as things pick up around the leagues. So. We're we're just trying to stay on top of it all, preview this Texans game, keep an eye on the future, and uh, see see what moves the team makes in in the days ahead.
1: There it is. Saints Wire's got you covered. Few in the business better than John Sigler. I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us again. Subscribe and stick with us all season long. We'll be back weekly, and we'll be back next week to break down Saints-Texans. Looking forward to that. We'll catch you then.